Okay, just to let you know that this podcast may be slightly triggering for individuals who have suffered with abuse in the past due to the nature of CC's story. We are discussing topics of alcoholism and domestic violence, um, abuse and how she got away. So it has a happy ending, but if this is likely to upset you, please feel free to skip this podcast. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Conversations. I'm your host, Jessica Fleischer, founder of I Am Fighting Fit, empowering wholehearted health, inspiring individuals, creating confidence. And today with me, I have Cece Reagan, who's the founder of Right to Heal. And I'll let her introduce herself to you, Cece. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Um, I help survivors of addiction, abuse, and trauma unearth their inner strength. Um, and I do that through the power of writing, hence <laughs> Right to Heal and the community that I run for our survivors like myself um, and teach them and help guide them through the process that I went through when healing from all of my various things, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, and it's just like, I just thought there was, there was something missing that there needed to be a supportive community of people who understood each other and wanted to get better. And that there's like such a simple way to do that, which is just like putting pen to paper. And I think sometimes the idea of it can put people off. So here I am. <laughs> I agree. I think it's powerful. I think communities at the heart of everything I do. So I agree that it's powerful to have that, to offer that support. And although it's fairly simple to put pen to paper in principle, but there is something difficult about getting started and people do make it more complicated. I know that I procrastinate on it myself and we worry about am I doing it right? Do I have the right journal? And so I found out about you through a five-day challenge that you did where you yeah. provided the journal prompts for us and that helps. So do you have any advice for how people can get started? Yeah, I do. I have sort of like my, my basic top tips <laughs> that I go over, um, which I can definitely share. I think like the first thing is just, uh, you know, journaling or any type of writing is literally just putting pen to paper. So you don't need to like overthink it and you don't need to overcommit and you don't need to say like, I'm going to do a bullet journal and I'm going to do a mind map and I'm going to do this. And like, it's great to have aspirations and want to do more and want to go all in. But what happens is we're humans and we inevitably will fall off for a day or a couple of days and then we'll beat ourselves up. So you just, you don't need to do too much. Just, just, you know, pick something that you want to say and then just say the thing. Uh, <laughs> and you don't have to go into like a certain specific type of journaling or a specific type of like, I only want to write poetry or I only want to write, you know, I want to write a limerick about whatever. Like, that's great. <laughs> that's great. And it's good to do that stuff, but you don't need to overcommit yourself. Um, also choosing something to write in that you like. I have, I'm really particular about my journals and some I like to have blank paper. Some people prefer to have like lined paper or 
Um, you might have some that have sort of like um, more uh, like thicker paper so it feels better when you write on it. Just if you choose a journal that makes you happy <laughs> and write in that. And if you feel like you can't get started, if you're stuck and you feel like I have nothing to say, then literally write, I'm stuck or write, I have nothing to say and start there. And then as soon as you start writing a sentence, more will come. Just write wherever you're stuck from <laughs> and then more will happen. That, that makes sense. And it, it goes along the lines of that starting small because I think people, when they, especially that new journal, and they think, how am I going to fill this? What am I going to put? What's the wrong, the right thing to say? Like, there is no wrong or right. You're doing it for you. And if you take that pressure away, and just by starting with, I am starting, or I am writing, or whatever it might be, yeah. once you begin, it begins to flow. So you mentioned about your story and everything that you've overcome. So would you like to share whatever you're comfortable with sharing with us so we can learn more about who you are, I guess? Sure, yeah. Well, I um, I will pick the highlights <laughs> because there's a, there's a bit. Um, but basically, so I live in um, Newcastle in the UK now, but I'm from North Carolina in the South, the East Coast of the States and I grew up between there and Virginia and uh, when I was in my teenage years my mom got diagnosed with a terminal illness which over here is called motor neuron disease and back in the states is called ALS amyotrophic lateral sclerosis uh, just because it makes sense and is so just like easy to say uh, <laughs> so I don't know why they have two different names for it it's, it's so weird but anyways um, and she was like 36. Uh, so it was really um, out of left field. And I was already like, she had gotten divorced from my dad. My dad was like an abusive alcoholic. And um, it was just, you know, it's a rough time. It's hard to be a teenager. <laughs> and then when I felt like, you know, my mom was all I had, and then she gets this terminal diagnosis, I just felt like my whole world was falling apart. So I started drinking. And I knew exactly what I was doing because I had seen my dad do it for my entire life. And the first time I got drunk, I was looking for like oblivion. I wanted to just like forget. I wanted to feel free or just different. I just wanted to feel different in general, I think. Um, so I drank for the first time and I thought that it was fantastic. And I was like, oh, no wonder my, my dad does this. I am also going to continue to do this. It's fab. So I did. Um, and while my mom was sick, I was sneaking out all the time and drinking all the time. And I got involved with a man who was much older than me. I was 17 when we met and he was 25. And I decided that I would move in with him in my infinite 17 year old wisdom. And I did. <laughs> wow. my, yeah, it was. Oh, God. You know, I, it wasn't a good decision, but it was, it was the best decision I could make at the time with, with whatever I had at my little 17 year old traumatized fingers. Yeah, that, that sounds like, <laughs> um, 17, where you, mine was between 15 and 17. And so how old were you when you started drinking? Like 14. 
because yeah so that sort of period of time by the time I was 17 I was in a better place but that where you feel like the world is out to get you you have the teenage hormones and everything and you also think you know better than everyone else that combination of the trauma the hormones the I'm an adult now I know what I'm going to do so I listening to your story I'm sat here and I'm thinking oh wow we've had completely different lives but I can feel the pain that you went through and I'm we've messaged a bit and I know that um you have an admiration for fighters and I think that you have what it takes to make a fighter because a fighter doesn't have to physically go in the ring and fight if you have that resilience if you have that within your being and again so the next question I'm going to ask is what prompted you to start your business so you have these experiences so from the age of 17 how did you get out of that relationship first because that must have been a turn and overcome the addiction that must have been a turning point for you yeah so I was with that man for seven years um and the last little bit I wanted to get out. I had been looking at places for months. This is not one of those situations where you just leave. You know what I mean? You have to be like really methodical and really like secretive and it didn't feel good, but I, I just, I, I had to, I had to go. I was 24. You know what I mean? Like I was so much older and I had like met different people and had different life experiences and seen different relationships. And I, finally understood that what he was doing to me was not just like how it was and it wasn't love so I had been looking for other places and other uh like apartments to live in and things like that but you know even in a nice area they were more expensive and I was just I had narrowed it down to like one and I was like saving up for the deposit uh and it was Halloween and I had worked late at this new job that he hadn't wanted me to have because previous to me getting that job, we had worked together, lived together, uh, you know, rode back and forth to work together. I was never, you know what I mean? If I was doing anything outside of the house, he was there. It sounds very controlling. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, this is the like he would oh he would he would shame me in front of his friends and like say horrible things. He would like get drunk and we'd have like fires in the backyard and he would like pull a flaming stick out of the fire and throw it at me like it, he was that's awful, awful. God. yeah I'm so I'm so pleased you had the strength to get out of there well yeah so I was I was trying to leave like in a regular you know in a in a methodical thought out way and I came home late from working from this job that he didn't want me to have. It was like, I was setting up, it was like the day before Halloween and I was setting up for the Halloween party. Um, and I, I was like, I had, I come home at like 10 or 11 at night and he was passed out drunk asleep in his van and his friend was inside in the living room and I think he was asleep too. And I, there was like bottles and, and I was like, what? what have I missed what have I come home to I mean it was like normal we drank every single night um I drank like a a bottle of whiskey like a liter bottle of whiskey to myself every single night at that point um yeah so it wasn't like abnormal (laughs) for everybody I I can understand because my my parents did the same they'd drink bottles of cider bottles of vodka it was it was normal so for anybody that's listening that thinks wow how do you do that 
I've never been an addict myself, but I've been around it and it just becomes your daily life. Yeah, it just becomes like the way it is. It was like, why would you, why would you just have one drink? That's a waste of so alcohol. So what, what was the turning point about that situation then? What made well, you think this is it? He woke up. I woke him up because he was in his car and I was worried about like if his keys were in his car, then he could get like a DUI and he like, he didn't <laughs> had a lot of trouble with the law before. Surprise, surprise. And um, I just thought like that would not be good because if somebody had drove by and like saw him sitting in there, I thought maybe he could get in trouble. You know what I mean? This is where my, my stupid little brain was, was like, you know, protect this horrible man. So I woke him up and uh you know you wake up a man who's sleeping because he's drunk you know (laughs) it's like the saying it's not a good idea or whatever yeah I just want to say you don't have a stupid little brain you have a lovely brain thank you (laughs) you you were you were kind caring and considerate to someone who sounds like didn't deserve it yeah that's fair that's probably a better way to put it yeah and I I just I laugh because it's like Jesus but um, anyways, he was really angry. And that night was like the, the worst night. Uh, like, I'm sure you'll put trigger warnings in this, but like trigger warnings, all the things. He like, he had me pinned down on the bed in our bedroom. His friend just like left me there. So that was fun. Um, and he was like, he was like pulling my hair and, and he was like, had his knee in my thigh and he was like screaming in my face. And he was, he said that he was going to kill me. And he was going to kill our dogs. We had two dogs. And then he was going to kill himself. Um, and he referenced his his dad who had passed away from suicide. And that like he he went out in like a, the only real way. He was saying all these like crazy things that like didn't really make sense. He was like saying terrible things about my mom. Obviously, she had passed away at this point. Um, and that was like <laughs> horribly traumatic. So finally he left he like got up and I don't know if he just like went to go get another drink or whatever but he was that drunk that I don't know maybe he forgot what he was doing halfway through and he just like walked down the hallway but he had taken he had either made the doors to where they couldn't lock or he had taken them off the hinges (laughs) so I had nowhere like to hide so I just sort of like ducked around in our bedroom we had a like a little half bath ensuite and I like ducked down in there and I grabbed my phone and I called 911. And I was like, my boyfriend said he's trying to kill me. <laughs> like, I believe him. Please get here. And then they came and they didn't arrest him. They said like whatever he had said was like in some type of way where they couldn't arrest him. But anyways, they got in trouble for that later because uh, I ended up getting a protective order and all that stuff. But I had like an emergency bag packed and they held him outside. They were like, do you want us to hold him outside while you leave? And I was like, yes, I do. And I was sobbing and I said goodbye to my dogs. Oh no. And I grabbed my bag and I put it in my car and I drove away. And that was when I left. <laughs> wow, what a story. And yes, I will have to add trigger warnings to that. Yeah. <laughs> because if people are just having a happy Sunday listening and I'm sat here and I'm, I, I, I know your story, but I didn't know the level of emotion. Like, obviously there's emotion behind it, but wow I yeah. you're an inspiration and oh, like I said I, I knew that like when you hear oh somebody's overcome abuse trauma alcoholism you think oh that's a strong person that's a fighter but hearing it firsthand for the first time and 
feeling that experience what it must have been like and so that leads us on to the writing because I'm I know that writing has helped you heal when did you begin writing were you writing throughout or was it after that that you wrote yeah I've always written I have journals from when I was like 12 um, and probably before that, that I've just like hung on to for years. Um, I didn't write too terribly much when I was in that relationship because like I said, nothing that I did was private. Um, I wrote more like when I could keep stuff at my desk at, at work when I had like started to get <laughs> a little bit of my own sort of personhood. But I did write, but it wasn't necessarily about what I would have wanted to write about because I didn't want anyone to read it yeah that makes um, sense because yeah. if he if he was like that and if he'd found what you'd written yeah who knows what would have happened yeah but yeah <laughs> I, I'm, exactly. I'm glad it didn't happen so um yeah so me too. <laughs> with the because you've released a poetry book yeah when, when did you write those poems because I've read a few of them on your website and I will be getting your book oh. um and a lot of it about you. So going back to your mom and what happened to her, if you're happy to talk about that. Yeah, so I wrote um, a lot of the poems in my book. They were all written at various times, both like when I was in active addiction, when I was trying to get sober, which took like fully a year. And then when I was like, when I had a little bit of sobriety. So they're all about like sort of the recovery process and what was going on in, in my head and all those different times. So that's what the book is. Um, and that's why it's called Wasted <laughs> because it's all about this whole recovery thing. Um, I wrote stuff about my, my mom. I wrote a lot like while she was sick and while I was at, at home still. Um, but it... It wasn't really, and I wrote some stuff after she passed away. I have one, I can't remember what it's called, um, but I was like talking about how, like everything that would remind me of her. Like I would see the same toothbrush that she had in a store or like a woman wearing the same color nail polish that she wore and that would remind me of her. So <clears throat> it was like, it was about that, but I didn't really start to like work through things with writing until I was able to get sober, which took me some time after I left my ex. It took me, I don't know, maybe another year and a half. I think probably another six months before I wanted to try and get sober. And then a year of trying before I was able to get any sort of like time. Cause I'd was go there, for like- Was there a turning point? Was there a point where you, do you, can you remember, right, I'm doing it now because of this yeah I wanted to initially for like because I knew it was a problem like I knew that I had a problem because I was like I I lived like I had roommates and stuff and I would but I was still hiding bottles and things you sort of you're doing all the like shameful behavior drinking in the morning <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean I'd have like three shots of Tanqueray and go to work like not like don't <laughs> not good um, so I wanted to get sober because of that. But then the actual time that I was like, right, this is the time <laughs> to do the thing was because I was doing, I had a long distance relationship with my now husband um, over here in England, which is the reason that I moved. 
and he invited me to come and stay. We had gone back and forth a couple of times and all that, and he had invited me to come over here to Newcastle and stay for six months, which is the longest you can stay without a visa, and just see if I could live here. And I woke up on, I guess, what was it, 2016? Whatever. Um, <laughs> a New Year's Day in a random person's house and didn't have my bag or my phone and couldn't really remember how I got in there or what had happened. And this isn't the first time that that had happened. I blacked out a lot. <laughs> this wasn't like an aberration, but I, I was flying in fully like a matter of days to go to a new country to live with this man who I'd never spent more than like a couple of weeks with on like a holiday in whatever continent. Um, and I was like, I just didn't wanna be, it's like a mess you know what I mean and, and my friend was like what are you gonna do and we're just like sitting there chain smoking on our porch and I've got a cup of coffee and I'm like you know full raccoon eyes like the whole thing and I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna do but I don't want to do this anymore so that was sort of it I just white knuckled it I got on the plane and arrived in Newcastle just like barely sober didn't leave the flat for like two weeks and then went to a 12-step meeting. I did 12-step recovery. Um, that was just like what I was aware of was a thing. So that's what I did. And I just went to a random meeting and just like, was like, hey, I'm new. I'm American. I really want to do the thing. And everybody was like, oh, you're foreign. And they were all just like super lovely. And I got in like, you know, a random person's car the next week. And she took me to a meeting. And you know what I mean? I just did the wow. stuff. But yeah, but that was the thing. It was like, I just knew that if I didn't do it then, then like, I might as well just not even bother with the rest of my life. That's really how I felt. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, I think a couple of things that I'm thinking off of what you said was you must be so grateful to have your husband because it sounds like he played a big part in mm -hmm. the, the kind of motivating that, right, this is it. I need to do it. If not for myself, because of the him and the situation that you'd it was for yourself because you'd yeah. found this situation you'd booked that flight over to England to stay with him and it sounds like that was the key and then finding the community so the 12-step program and I've actually read a little bit about it recently in the power of habit and how they change habits and that's their focus opposed to the yeah. science of addiction and changing the brain chemistry and medication and everything they use the power of community to help people heal yes so yeah that I, I guess that would have an influence in what you do now and what your motivation with right to heal is to create this community so when did that idea come about well, I always wanted to do, like, I've always wanted to help people and I always wanted to do something. And I had like, you know, not everything, not anything is going to be like 100% all the time. And there are bits of the 12 step program that I really like. And there are bits that I thought <laughs> that I didn't really like so much, but there's not so much that you can do with that type of thing because it's just like, everybody is welcome and it works because it is that way. So if you're drunk, you can come. Like if you're uh, an ass, you can come. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't matter who you are. But, you know, and there were like abusers in there and things like that. And there, you know what I, I just, so I kind of took the bits that I liked 
and left the bits that I didn't. And I just had this like idea mulling around in my head that like, well, it would be better if it was like this. And I wonder if I could do this. And like, and I've always wanted to write, like, it's always been my dream. I mean, I always have written, but to write is like a job is sort of like, what do you want to be? And what do you want to do? It was always like, I'm a writer. I write poetry. That's what I do. That's my thing. Um, and I'd never really thought about it as like, I thought about it as sharing my story through my writing, but never as like, what if I so like started my own sort of like type of community thing. That is something that sort of developed over time. I started a totally separate business, um, which is also about helping people, but it was, it's like, and I still have it. It's like in financial services. Um, and I started working with a business coach and we, she, we were doing some like zone of genius work and it was like, oh, well, my zone of genius is just writing and helping people. So how do I like combine these things together? And it just sort of like developed over, I mean, months, I would say. And then once it, once that seed was planted, it just sort of became its own thing. And it's almost like I didn't even come up with it. It's almost like it already existed and I stumbled across it. Uh, I know that sounds kind of weird, but that's sort of what it felt I like. Think I, I think I understand because... I'm in a similar situation myself with this creating fighting fit together a community that is based around kickboxing but it's taking aspects of that and turning it into something new so it's not just kickboxing it's wholehearted health it has a book club too because what you say about the zones of genius I I find that kickboxing helped me recover from trauma and it's also a form of personal development. It's not just exercise. It's not just going to the gym. So for you, writing isn't just writing. If people think, oh, well, writing's good. We do English at school. Um, we have to learn to read and write. And then that's it. It's just writing. It's, it can be so much more. Yeah. And I'm excited. I'm really excited to do your poetry challenge because I've had to overcome my own limiting beliefs because I thought that I wasn't very good at writing. Mm. Same as I thought that I wasn't very good at fighting. Um, there we go. It's almost a poem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I had to reframe the I'm not fit enough. I'm not good enough to I am fighting fit. And I'm doing the same thing now with poetry by writing. It's only once we overcome that fear of not being good enough and we begin taking action that we can improve. Yes. So is poetry one of your favorite forms of writing or is that just me being biased because it's my favorite form? No, it is my favorite. It is my favorite. <laughs> I've always loved poetry and I'm like such a nerd about it. And I say things like poetry is like painting with words. I love that. It's so like. Do you do, do you do any painting or anything else? Or is it just writing? I say just writing. Do you focus on writing? Yeah, I really like writing, but I also really like collage, um, which is another thing that I started doing when I was a teenager. But I make these like super, like <laughs> make these super like messed up collages of like, um, I'd find like you know old like birth control pills and pictures of like Amy Winehouse and like all of these things like, and it was and it was like I would just find anything like words and stuff that was like the personification of what I felt and I would just like put it on whatever sort of thing happened to be standing still that's incredible when I was a child when I so when my parents were 
taking drugs and drinking too much. I remember sitting at the bottom of my grand's bed. So she was bedridden with rheumatoid arthritis. But we used to, I used to cut up the Argos catalogue and um, I'd cut out all the things I wanted and create my dream house and find pictures of dogs and sofas and, you know, those really pretty fancy curtain drape thing. And I had all of the things that I didn't have growing up. So I, I guess when I was a child, I created a vision board that before I knew what a vision board was. And throughout my adult life, I've got a scrapbook, especially from when I went traveling. And I, I love my scrapbook. I, and my boyfriend laughs at me. He's like, why are you keeping a receipt? And I was like, because it's gonna go in my scrapbook. Yeah. And he goes, why do you need to keep a receipt to remember what you've done? I was like, it's, it's a visual representation of the memory. Yeah. When we sat on that and that little cafe that we randomly stumbled across and like, mm. and we had been walking for miles and we were looking at the water, like, yeah, but that little receipt brings back that whole thing. I totally do that. Movie stubs, all of it. Yes. <laughs> yep. Funnily enough, actually, I found my uh, plane ticket from a year ago today. It's the second, I, I, it's on my desk. I'm going to take a photo of it later. Mm. Um, it was the last time I flew anywhere. I flew to a fight in Scotland and, oh. um, and it made me think, I found it yesterday in my purse, clearing out all the receipts. And I was like, wow, this has been in there for a year. All right, it's time <laughs> to put it in my scrapbook. It shows how much I've done in a year because yeah. I have two compartments and one is for scrapbook and one is for life. And um, yeah. it's been in there ever since because I've not been traveling. So I don't have yeah. anything to go in there. But I do have poetry. I started writing a poem a day on the 23rd of November. So that's wow. exciting. Um, I'm going to be putting that into a book. But I can't wait to do your challenge. Would you like to tell people about that? Because I want to improve my poetry and I'd love to learn from you and I'd love oh. other people to get involved too. Thank you. Well, yeah, I'm really excited about this because I did a journaling workshop and it was really good. And I was like, I want to do a poetry one because I love poetry. And uh, and I was saying to you before that it was like a bit niche and I wasn't sure like how well it would go over, but it's gone over like really, really well. Um, so many people are like closet poets. Um, but yeah, so I'm running a poetry workshop. It's five days running from mm -hmm. February 8th to 12th, 2021. And I'm going to focus on like a different, so there's a different theme because the whole thing is write to heal. We're not just like writing to write, <laughs> we're writing for a purpose. So the, so each day is a different sort of like type of poem. So different sort of like structure or different rhyme scheme or different, like today let's focus on repetition or let's focus on imagery or whatever it is for that day. Um, and then there's like a writing prompt or a theme based on like an emotion or a memory or whatever and it starts out a little bit easier and it gets a little bit harder and then it gets a little bit easier again and that way you're not sort of like you're not it's not too much and also it sort of like gets in deep enough where you're like oh I felt that and then kind of takes you right back out the other side because I think it's important not to do too much um <laughs> because if you get into writing and you're like right I want to journal and I want to get out all my feelings or whatever and then you spend like a week doing really deep in-depth stuff and unearthing all your trauma then you will feel worse so it's important <laughs> to also throw in some like gratitude and some like mantras and some like and some easy things like let's throw a haiku in there and like chill 
so it's structured in such a way that like that you get the most out of it but it doesn't take anything out of you i'm really sort of careful about how i how i structure these but yeah i'm really really excited about it i think it's going to be fantastic and uh yeah if anybody wants to join i'm sure just we'll have the links places yeah i'll share <laughs> i'll share the links for it and i'll um with the podcast but also on my own social media in fact i might put it in my weekly email this week um Ooh, because i, I am going to, i am <laughs> going to be doing it so and i what you said about the interest i guess you're worried about oh poetry it's too niche it, it people want to journal more but i i think personally that the poetry is the thing that attracts me to you um, the journaling, if in a way, puts me off because I don't really want to learn to journal. I I really want to focus on poetry because it's almost my form of journaling. So a poem yeah. a day, it allows me to get everything out my head before I go to bed. And yeah, I just so with regards to the um, community that you've created. Mm -hmm. So if people want more than just the five day challenge, they want to go deeper, they, they want to get involved with that. How does that work? So there will be an opportunity. So it's a closed community. So it's not open all the time because I want when people to join, we hang out, really get to know each other. Everybody is happy and then we'll open it up again. <laughs> so, but I am opening it up again in February. It'll be open like on the 10th to people who are in the poetry workshop challenge thing. And then it will open like the following week. I can't remember exactly what day, 14th. Yeah, I think it might actually open on Valentine's Day. Ah, that's funny. Oh, um, how lovely. <laughs> I know, I need to do something special for that. I didn't even put that together until now. You know, when time just flies and you like don't even pay <laughs> especially, especially being in lockdown. It's not like we're going out for a date, is it? It's like, what are we going to do on Valentine's Day? The same thing we do every day. Let's have dinner together. <laughs> yeah, let's just sit in another room. And I am like, going to cook something special. It will be nice. But Aww. it is, I think, I, I I haven't thought about it until now. But um, I'm going <laughs> to do, do something slightly different, even though we're not going out. I actually quite, I actually quite like the spending the time together at home. Because prior to lockdown, I was so busy. We were always in the gym. Yeah. I was working in a pub. And it's quite nice that actually Valentine's Day, we can just spend time together and that you'll be nice. welcoming new members into your community too yeah I'm really like <laughs> uh, yeah it's really gonna be good I think we'll probably do something small too we spent our third wedding anniversary in lockdown and uh I cooked I tend to cook like the main and he'll do the dessert or something and then we like sat in the conservatory and ate and took pictures with the dog and stuff it's like you know you find whatever way you can to entertain yourself but yeah I'm really excited and I love like what you said about like the poetry and everything and and how I think journaling is like a good first step into writing and I cover all of it in my community so like no matter what you like to write like you can write I also like short stories and I'm like working on a memoir and I'll probably do another poetry book this year like what whatever you like to do you can do um, but I like my, my, I say this a lot is like, turn your pain into art. I think if you feel a thing, even if it's hard to feel, you feel it for a reason. And like, while it is important to like be positive and have gratitude and all this stuff, it's also so important. You deserve to honor your own emotions, but you can do that. It, you can honor them in a way that isn't just like wallowing, but is making it something else. 
so for me poetry is how I turn my pain into art and I love that I love turn your pain into an art and I I I quite like the it just made the connection right now in that I say that I've been fighting trauma all my life but actually kickboxing is a martial art it's not just fighting I haven't just been fighting it I've been turning it into an art and now through poetry too because I've, I've begun again I've created the habit and I'm not going to stop so I am going to continue to be inspired by you oh I love that and I feel the same way about you like I I love your your story and what you do and what you've like what you've been through and overcome and then what you've turned that into and I love you like I love that my stuff is like it's so different but it complements each other so well like it I think it comes they're they're based around the same values almost so it's the um I don't know what your values are off the top of my head but the the community being a big focus and that that having the courage to overcome the trauma to heal because not everybody has got there yet they're going to have people who join the community have to be willing to take that responsibility so and it's not all like everything that I promote isn't all about overcoming trauma it's about taking action to better yourself perhaps so the next step once you've begun to heal and you realize that oh something was holding me back but now I want to achieve more so we've discussed this that being driven that competitive almost perfectionism but accepting that we're never going to be perfect but knowing that we we still want to be better it's finding the right balance and that's what I want to help people do so what I want to finish with is by asking so with my business being I am fighting fit Mm -hmm. what does that mean to you for you to be fighting fit I suppose I think that would mean that you, that I would feel strong enough to just like take everything as it came. That I was like, I was standing in a good secure place so that when life happened to me, good or bad, it wouldn't knock me off where I was, that I would, I would feel just like secure there and not be able to be like daunted in any way by anything that happened. I love that. I think that that's a lovely description of it. And finally, what advice would you have for anybody listening to help them become fighting fit? I would just say that that you have the same courage within you as any person that you look up to. You're not less than, you're not weak, you're not anything like that, no matter like what you've been through it. And you have to like have compassion for yourself and know that you did the best thing that you could at the time, no matter what that was and what this looks like and what mistakes you've made, that's okay. And you have it in you to get better if you want to, like you can heal and you can change if you want to. I 100% believe that like absolutely people can change um, and absolutely people can heal and you just need to find what speaks to you. But but you're not, you're not broken and you are strong. You just got to find it and you just got to figure out whatever your method is of finding it. Yes, that's important. Finding the thing that works for you, finding something that you can enjoy. And I think another thing just to add on to that is that you deserve it as well. You deserve it and you are worthy because especially when people are trapped in that 
thought loop of why me I don't matter I don't and it's like you really do and you really yeah. can you are capable you're stronger than you believe you are and there's people out there to help you I think that's an important message Definitely. so um I have actually got one more question that was going to be the final one but from what you said about finding people like that you can look up to who do you look up to oh wow okay <laughs> Uh, my mom is like a huge inspiration for me. Like she went through a lot with my dad and she put up with a lot to keep me and my sister safe. And even when she was literally dying, she was still had time for everybody and was smiling. And she would say things like the blessings are always there, even if you have to look a little harder. And I think about that all the time. Um, and then I think for like artistically, Frida Kahlo is my favorite artist and I know she's like trendy now and I don't want to be like I liked her before it was cool but I liked her before it was cool I love she is like the personification of turning your pain into art like if anybody hasn't heard of her or don't know her story you should totally look her up because of like she had this horrible spine injury but she would still even when she was bedridden do her art she would have like she would have to lay perfectly flat in bed and she'd have a canvas like up above her Sistine Chapel style and would still paint. Like it's really amazing, surreal, super weird, sometimes disturbing stuff that she came out with. And I love all of it. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if it's cheating to pick two, but I picked two. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> as many as inspire you in the moment. So I will actually have to look her up because I don't know her story. Um, and I will put them in the show notes as well. Some of the things oh, that you've fine. said. So if I can work out how to do that, I'm sure I can. And I believe um, in you. I believe in me too. It won't be that hard. So no. I just want to say thank you for joining me today. Thank and you. thank you to everybody for listening. And as always, I'd just like to ask you to take a nice deep breath in. And then allow yourself to relax through your shoulders, letting go of anything that you feel is holding you back. And remember that you can bring yourself back to this state at any time you wish to, just by paying attention to your breath. So thank you and have a lovely day.